What's up, buds? Today we're reviewing the Sam Mendes film 1917. 1917 is directed by Sam Mendes, working with legendary cinematographer Roger Deakins. The duo made Jarhead and also made a little movie called Skyfall. That movie made a lot of money. Roger has made some amazing... Roger has shot some amazing movies. Two standouts for me are Blade Runner 2049 and The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. This movie looks incredible, and I should own it on Blue Earth. Also, shout out to Road to Perdition. Sam Mendes directed this movie in 2002, I think, and it is awesome. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It's got Tom Hanks. 1917 stars King Tommen from Game of Thrones and George McKay. Yep, George McKay, who I've never seen in anything before. The duo are really good together as friends that are tasked with delivering the MacGuffin letter across enemy lines. A handful of other British actors show up along the way and help keep the characters interesting and give the film weight. So is 1917 any good? Well, technically, it's incredible. Know that, no matter what else I say, that I recommend that you at least see it. A shit ton of hard work and creativity went into this immensely ambitious film. It looks and sounds amazing, and I would recommend that you at least see it. But, this film has problems. That's my clickbait part. Okay, so first things, it's not a one-shot movie. And I'm not being like one of those people online that be like, Well, technically it's a bunch of shots put together. Listen, I understand they have to blend scenes, so whenever they go to black or across some rocks or something, they can splice it together. That's fine. This is very hard to do. There are shots in this movie that are so incredible that I'm not going to bitch about the times that they have to splice them together. That's fine. It keeps the illusion flowing. But it's it's not actually a one-shot in the film, though. There is a hard break kind of at the halfway point. So I'm not sure where there's... I'm not sure why they're saying it's a one-shot movie. It's kind of divided into a two-shot movie. Before we get into what works and doesn't work in 1917, I want to talk about one-shots and what their purpose is. And I'm going to use two movies for an example. Children of Men and The Shining have very effective long takes that they use to tell their story. And I'm going to use these films to talk about what works and what doesn't work in 1917. Children Man has a few long takes, and the one I'm going to refer to is the one when they're in the vehicle. Suddenly, the camera moves towards the front windshield, and you see a burning car rolling down the hill, and it takes out the road. And then, all these people start coming down the hill, and they start racing towards the car. So then, the car hits reverse, and they start reversing on the road that they just drove. And the characters inside are freaking out, and then some tragic things happen. So in this scene, the purpose of that shot is to show that life and death can turn on a dime. You are in the action as this unfolds. If they had done that with a bunch of takes, it wouldn't have worked as well. It playing out in real time adds to the tension, makes everything feel immediate and intense. So in The Shining, what they do is they use the long shot to explore space. So... The Shining, the Overlook Hotel, is a maze. When they use the Steadicam shots to follow Danny through the hotel, it allows you to become intimate with this space, which makes the hotel feel more real. It has the added benefit of making Danny feel like he's being kind of followed. It adds to the sense that the whole movie has of impending doom. So what the hell does this have to do with 1917? What these two movies show, two great examples 
of a long shot used really well. A long shot is very effective at showing realism, at showing impending dread, and putting you in the middle of those two things. And 1917 does that very well until it doesn't. So let's first talk about when it does work, because when it does, they knock it out of the park. Seeing these battlefields and trenches as they walk towards them and through them and then out of them presents a scope and a vision of war that I don't think I've seen before. There's a scene in Atonement when they're all stuck on the beach and there's a long shot there kind of portrays the same thing, but here it's taken to the next level. As they're walking through, you're passing hundreds of people and these people are all engaged. It really works because you no longer feel like you're watching, you know, a scene that's set up and because it's just too big. Your mind can't understand it. It goes on for miles. And as you're walking through, people are walking in front of you and behind you and, and the camera just glides through. And those are the moments where this long shot, man, does it work. It is so engaging and real that it pulls you right in. It's people and rats, and mud, and puddles the, like the size of lakes, dusty, and there's dead bodies everywhere. It really shows how hellish that war was for the people that were there. And because of the setting, and the scope, and the realism that is set, when things happen and there's intensity, it adds weight. In these moments when things go to shit, it feels immediate. You're there with them, it's bad, you know it's bad, they know it's bad, and you're experiencing that with them in real time. It works extremely well, puts you in this space, it communicates dread, and when shit goes down, you feel like you're in it with them. That's very effective. All movies require a certain amount of suspension of disbelief. And the problem with a one-shot movie is that your mind is a logical muscle. Your mind starts fighting. There's two things that happen. One, it's like, you know when you're, you know when someone says, don't think about the pink bunny rabbit. Obviously you're thinking about the pink bunny rabbit. The whole time you forget that it's a one shot and then remember that it's a one shot. Forget that it's a one shot and then remember that it's a one shot. That's distracting. And the other thing that happens is that your mind is logical, and that logic can take you out of it. There's some practical things like, hmm, how is it morning already? I thought they were alone, but now there's people here? There's these gaps in logic, and the one take only accentuates them. What ends up happening is that it undercuts the emotional weight of the previous scene, because it's all one scene. You're not allowed any time for an ebb and flow because when they start doing that, you're like, whoa, 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 they're moving on too quickly. I'm not ready to move on yet. We all understand the language of cinema and the language of cinema allows us to suspend our disbelief and engage in a movie. When that suspension of disbelief is broken, we're not engaged in the movie and the movie's not working. Now, the language of cinema is evolving. It is important for movies to push expand the language of cinema and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and in this movie sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't but it's a bummer when it didn't work here because I felt the movie slipping through my fingers as we get further into the film and by the time we hit that hard break it was a struggle for me to hold on 
and it kind of won me back at the end, but it, it kind of won me back despite itself. Another thing that can happen with the long take is that it can start to feel like a theme park thrill ride. Now, that's fine if you're watching like a horror movie or a sci-fi film, but this is World War I. Real people died. Real people went to this war. There are times when the one-shot kind of feels disrespectful. It feels like you're just on a ride through World War I. It's not the entire movie, and I don't think it takes away from the film enough to ruin the other parts, but it is there, and it doesn't work. There's a certain amount of poetry in this movie that doesn't work with the that doesn't work with the technical aspects. The technical aspects are kind of suggesting one thing, and the poetry of this film is kind of suggesting another thing. And those two things feel at odds during the movie. At the beginning, it kind of starts with a, this is a day in the life of these soldiers on this mission, but ends in a more artistic way. During the film, there's a shift that happens from more realism to kind of a, a more poetic way to look at war. And that didn't work for me. And it certainly didn't work with what they were trying to do technically. That said, I do have a theory about that shift that I want to talk about a little, but I'll talk about it at the end because I want to get into spoilers and I want, I want to keep that out of the main review. So at the end, I have a little theory about the film that involves some spoilers. Like I said at the beginning though, this film, when it works, is so damn good that I would still recommend seeing it. If you want to see it, go to the theater. Maybe lower your expectations a little bit, but I would recommend it. The film looks amazing. It's super ambitious. The performances are great. The music is great. It's shot incredibly well. And it is a, it's a full-on experience. I think if you go into the theater and have some adjusted expectations, you're going to have a good time and you're going to see World War I through a lens that you've never seen it before. And for me, that's worth it. And now's the time where we do a counter-opinion. Listen, movies are subjective. What didn't work for me may work for you. And I think it's only fair to kind of show another opinion. So Richard Brody from The New Yorker says, While Mendez doesn't shrink away from displaying the vivid imagination of a suburban horn dog, he's unwilling to face the imagination of, of the various combatants of 1917. David Harris from Spectrum Culture says, we're supposed to spend the entire film journey with just two British soldiers, but do we really care about them? Nah. Charles Solomon of Film Week says this film feels absolutely authentic, very small cast, and very simple, straightforward story, which I think makes it so affecting. And Kath Clark of The Big Issue says it's tremendously moving. What a terrifically good film. So there's kind of the scope. Definitely see this movie. And if you do, Please leave a comment below. I want to know what you think. The only reason I'm running this channel is because I want to talk about movies and I want to engage with people about movies. There are two things I love in my life. I love my family and I love movies and all I want to do is dive in and talk about them. Please give us a like, give us a subscribe. But before we end this thing, spoiler, I have a random spoilery theory. So please do not watch any further, but please do like and subscribe. But don't watch any further if you don't want anything spoiled. So if you've seen this movie, you know that that hard break after Tommen dies, 
It's just the main kid, George McKay. And then he goes up the stairs and he gets shot. Then it hard cuts, right? Then he wakes up. And after that, for me, the film felt... This is what I was talking about before. It felt very poetic and felt very dreamlike. In fact, like, so I'm taking notes and numerous times I was like, is he dead? Because, and here's my, here's my theory. He dies. Halfway through the film, he dies. Um, I don't know that much about World War I. I don't know if someone delivered this message and I don't know what happened. But this is a fictional film and I don't really care. When he wakes up, he doesn't seem shot at all. And then after that, he 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 runs into the lady with the baby. They're singing in the forest. There's the crazy light show in the sky. And then when he brings the message, it all felt almost too ideal. You know, and to be honest with you, when I kind of thought he's dead, I kind of enjoyed the movie more because... There were so many things that in his dream state that bothered me that it was almost kind of nice to just enjoy the poetry in this ideal ending. The way that it ends so much, they see the cherry blossoms again and they're the fields with the flowing, you know, grass again. And he delivers the message in a hellscape. And I just don't buy it. I think he died. And as he was dying, he had a fantasy about waking up and delivering the letter. Hey, maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But I'd love to know what you think. If you agree with me. If you don't agree with me, give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Give us a comment, good or bad. I want to know what you thought of the movie. And I'll see you next time. That's it.